Hello and welcome to episode 1205 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, August 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, uh, and I'm doing better than you. I don't say that to, to mock you, but I know you're you're under the weather right now. That's why we didn't record on Monday, and uh, you're still kind of getting back right now. But how are you feeling? How's the progress coming? I am alive, which is better than I thought I was going to be on Monday. Like we, we talked Sunday night, and I was all like, all right, let's let's do this. And, uh, and it was woke, game over. Yeah, I woke up on Monday morning feeling like I got hit by a truck. I haven't been able to write this week. I Like, it's just been an absolute nightmare. Uh, I was supposed to record with, you know, Dave on Monday night, record with you, you know, Monday afternoon, and um, I haven't been able to do shit. Uh, and what terrible decision did you make yesterday night? I played softball. Um, <laughs> looking like Billy Butler in the outfield, uh, and getting tore the fuck up. It was, uh, uh, I, I had a really nice hustle play on the base pass, which I'm pretty proud of because we were losing 23 to nothing in the second inning. Um, are you and, serious? Yeah. And oh my God. With two outs in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the third inning, I came up to bat, uh, for the first time. In a slow pitch softball game, which is not good, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hit a, a ground ball up the middle that I turned into a double, and then um, and then there I you go, you know, I, I made it all the way home just like on hustle plays, like sack flies. And, Did you like hack along when you got oh, there? Oh fuck! Because... It was it was not, like I turned like the shortstop looked at me and he was all like, "Whoa! I didn't know a big guy like you could move that fast." And I was like, "I don't want." Too. Like, it was, probably yeah. shouldn't have. I told I told their pitcher like, "Hey, keep, slow it down. There's no pitch clock. Let me get my breath here." Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. Uh, so good 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 times on the base pass, but uh, not good times in the outfield as, as the ball just kept finding holes and shit. And yeah, it was. It, it, it's it's the old classic. The the ball is going to find you. You know, and the announcers bring that up every time like a defensive sub comes in uh, or somebody who might be compromised. So the announcers would have been all over it yesterday. Ugly fighters. Yeah. Playing under the weather today, and he's mm-hmm. just getting barraged with balls. Well, hopefully you continue to feel better and progress forward and maybe you could be like some of these guys that we're going to talk about in the uh, the injury news and notes play a little three up three down and then we'll talk about some week 21 two-step guys but let's start with some boston news you know they're they're lingering in the playoff hunt uh and they didn't make a ton of moves and i imagine that they felt like they were one of these teams that hey our internal returns are going to be our moves and you know, I don't always hate that. I, I still think that they could have, even accounting for Sale, Whitlock, Hauk, um, and we're going to talk about two of them here in a moment. I still think they could have done something. Also, Trevor Story, but he's I think he's had a setback. Uh, so, yeah, they, they think that they're getting their reinforcements that way. Chris Sale due back today against the Tigers, but will be limited. Are you putting him right in the, the rotation, or are you just going to wait out this one for the weekend and then reassess for the beginning of next week? Yeah, I'm probably just going to wait it out. I just think the upside is so limited with him being on kind of a pitch count. Uh, you know, you're, you're likely needing wins. You know, you and I were just talking about in leagues where, like, hey, we need wins right now. Yep, um, like and, you wouldn't believe. And he's not going to qualify for one because he's not going to go deep enough into the game. And so uh, there's too, too great of a risk that, you know, hey, he pitches really well in three and a third, but he gave up two earned runs. And that now looks like he pitched really, really poorly. Uh, and you're not going to get a ton of strikeouts because he's not going to go deep. And now you definitely can't get a win. So there's just too much risk of things can go wrong with 
not very much upside in terms of even if things go perfectly. Like, yeah, because they're saying about four innings for sale. Yeah, four uh, scoreless 50, innings isn't like that amazing. It's just not going to move the needle that much, even if he dominates the Tigers. So I'm sitting this one out, going to check back in with him uh, early next week. Yeah, it's the Tigers. You'd like to get the quality. Hey, maybe some of y'all could use every K you can get, right? Your team uh, situation will determine where you're at here, but I think generally I'm leaning no on sale today and then just reassessing for at Washington next week, which should be nice. But go pick him up. I think he's a roster everywhere. He's on a lot of waiver wires though because he's been out for a bit. So go check and make sure on Chris Sale. Uh, Garrett Whitlock is due back Sunday, uh, not as a starter. That's Cutter Crawford's day. We don't know if he's going to start right now. So I'm curious how you're playing something like uh, Garrett Whitlock's potential return because we don't really know exactly what they're going to do with him. Are you going to are you going to pick him up and see what's up or um, just let it ride with Garrett Whitlock? Um, I, I think it's a, he's a pickup and stash. I mean, I love Whitlock from a skills perspective, um, but we you know we know that they bounce him between the rotation and the bullpen. You know, yeah, a lot and I don't think he's already. getting a starting spot. Yeah, so he may be a follower to someone. Maybe he tandems up with like Nick Pavetta. Uh, so, but uh, oh god, if he is second to Pavetta uh-huh. and starts taking my Pavetta win chances, I'm gonna flip this desk over. Yeah, yeah, I swear uh, to God. So I, I think like he's one of those guys that like in deeper leagues I, I would pick up in stash. Um, just to kind of see what his usage looks like. But mm-hmm. I think there's a really good chance where he's limited to like 60 pitches. Um, Absolutely. Like if that, right. I think they're already saying that Whitlock's going to be a multi-inning reliever down the stretch. So it might be following somebody and it could be following Pavetta. Hopefully it's after Pavetta throws five or six. But um, yeah, I think Whitlock, you can pick up in stash if you want to see where he's at. Probably 12s are deeper at, at mm-hmm. At the most, though, and even 12s, you're maybe just holding and seeing, okay, he is a reliever, never mind, pass. But I don't even think you need to worry about Whitlock and, 12 te- and 10 teamers until he gets put back in the rotation, if he does, which right now, he is not. Uh, Joe Musgrove is not throwing until late August. I switched the uh, rundown on you there, finished with pitchers here before we talk about the two catchers. Are you holding Joe Musgrove, and if so, what leagues? So I did hold him through this last fab. Okay. Um, I've got him as my number one starter in Tout Wars. You know, for those who who don't, or sorry, my number one starter in uh, in my main event. You know, the, this that was the league where like I missed out on a lot of the starting pitching, and I just went, okay, screw it. I'm gonna have a really great offense. And I'm gonna figure the pitching out, and I started figuring the pitching out with Joe Musgrove. He's uh, been great. He's been fantastic. It's worked out actually fairly well. Um, outside of my Michael Kopech and Lance Lynn shares. Uh, so um, I held on to him just to kind of wait and see. I may end up dropping him if he's not going to be back until, well, if he's not even going to be throwing until, throwing. The, yeah, throwing until the end of August, you know, that puts me in kind of predicament because you got to think he's going to need at least two weeks. Yeah, if that's a mid-September more. return. Yeah, and then what is he? Is he even a starter at that point? Like you know, where are the Padres? You know, yeah. If the pot and yeah, if the Padres are not really in it at that point, do the Padres just say, "Hey, listen, we're gonna let you come back and throw a couple innings, but we're not going to do much more than that." So, 
I think he's a drop in most formats where you can't easily IL him. Uh, you know, you have an open IL spot. So, like, in Tout Wars, for instance, I, I've got unlimited IL. So, like, yeah, I can there's just no reason him. not to hold Musgrove. Yep. But in the main event where I have zero IL, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty easy drop this week. Yeah, I, I think so. It it is hard to hold Musgrove right now. Um, your your individual situation will definitely matter. One thing I will say, if we put it as a, around a mid September return again, we don't know if we assume he just goes back into starting. Right? Let's just take the positive end of it with Musgrove here. After a run against Philly, and then trips to Houston and the Dodgers, which ends on September thirteenth. They close with a trip to Oakland, home to Colorado and St. Louis, and then trips to San Francisco and the White Sox. That's the Padres' last half month uh, of then, September. Then pick them back so, I mean, up the week before that. Like I mean, Exactly. I still don't think you necessarily hold them until then, but I just wanted to point out that if he is returning around that. Now, he could return and start at the Dodgers, but yeah. if he's returning at the A's, then he does get a couple good starts down the stretch, and that could be helpful. Still don't know if I'm holding for a whole month to this point, which is what I think we're going to need with Joe Musgrove. So I'm cutting him in most spots, too, unless I've got the IL spot. Yeah. All right, let's talk a couple catchers here working their way back. Logan O'Hoppy is on rehab. He's working his way back. This is one, I mean, I know we, we gave an update on this recently, but when he first went out, it was looking like it's the season. Yeah. No reason to think that, uh, you know, he's going to come back. We'll catch up with you next year. But here he is working his way back. Now, they hit a big losing streak after making their moves, which I really liked uh, LA's moves. But then they hit a big losing streak, and now they're kind of back as major long shots. But if they get going again, and then Ohapi can can return, I, I still want to believe. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for this team. Have been uh, since the Trout era started here. Just because I want those guys in the playoffs, Trout and Otani. But are you are you picking up Logan O'Hoppy in any two catcher formats right now? No, I don't think so. Um, Just don't not worried or not thinking he's going to give too much once yeah. he's back. If if we get to a point where like, hey, he's been on fire in you know AAA and he's due back any day, then maybe I'll you know, throw a dart at him, but these kind of injuries tend to sap power to begin with. And like, like you mentioned, like we didn't expect him to be back. And so while it's great to see that he is working his way back, who knows, like at what point, you know, he, he could be on rehab for 30 days and then they could extend it. Um, there could be a setback. Like it just, I don't know that there's enough there uh, for for fantasy managers to be like, oh, this is worth stashing. I think there are other guys to stash if you're going to stash. Them. It's just always hard to stash a catcher too, right? Yeah. Unless you're talking like top of the scale. And hey, Ohapi was hitting very well, but it was 16 games, right? Yeah. I have no idea what to make of an 886 OPS in 59 plate appearances. I'm excited that he's coming back. I think it could help um, the Angels, but I agree. I'm not necessarily running out and and stashing Ohapi. 15 team two catcher. You know, if you need a second catcher and you can easily get him or something, sure. But as Justin pointed out, this rehab's going to go for a while. They, they said when he started it, it's going to be like a two, three-week kind yeah. of rehab here. It's not This is not a quickie. He's in single A, so I think he's going to ascend through the minors Ohapi is. Um, so maybe when he gets to triple A, that's when you make your move, if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Heim could be back next week. Looks like he's only going to be batting lefty. Uh, which, of course, means he'll be playing against right-handers as a switch hitter, so that's fine in terms of the playing time. But where are you at on him? Now, he was the number one catcher when he went down, Jonah Heim was. 
think there's a lot more intrigue in him, but what's your expectations for the number one catcher when he returns um, and he's limited to only batting lefty? I mean, I definitely have reduced expectations from Jonah Heim uh, moving forward, but uh, I think in a lot of leagues that are two catcher leagues, uh, he's worth, you know, picking up and, mm-hmm. you know, and hoping that he, even if he's 75% of what he was, like that's still valuable in two catcher formats. Uh, in one catcher formats, I don't know that he would rank as a top 12 catcher rest of the way. It's so tough. I, I think that that's probably not a move I would make. But for instance, I dropped him in my main event when he got hurt. I'm trying to pick him back up this week, you know. I don't blame you for either move. I don't blame you for cutting, and of course, I would jump back uh, to go get him. Let me ask you something about. Uh, let me compare him to a guy who's actually hitting better of late and working his way back up the catcher rankings. He's 13th on the year now. MJ Melendez. Yeah, looking I, at those two Melendez. down the stretch. Okay, yeah, well, Melendez is playing every day in the outfield and and doesn't catch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I do like that. I do think the volume of Melendez, even if I think pitch for you know, at-bat for at-bat might be worse, like his rates. Um, I still think the volume over Heim yeah. is going to be worth it right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pickups for Heim, but it's not for everybody. Let me ask you about Yiner Diaz. Um, since the return of, of Alvarez, he's not starting as much, but he's still making an impact when he plays. I know when, when Alvarez was first coming back, we advocated hanging on to Diaz, and that is still the case. What about in a comparison with Heim right now? Let's say you picked up Diaz to fill in for Heim. He's been beautiful for you, but now that the playing time's coming down, where do you stand on Yiner Diaz versus Jonah Heim the rest of the way? I still lean Diaz here. Um, He's just doing so much when he plays that it's hard yeah. not, not to want to stick with him. I mean, we're talking about like a broken, is it broken hand or broken wrist? Like, um, wrist, right? uh, let's um, see. yeah, the wrist and then like, wasn't there something with like a sheath? Yeah, torn tendon sheath in his r- left wrist. Yeah, like. Sounds horrendous. Heim could like be back and like and and play two games and go right back to the IL. So like. Or, or just do nothing at the dish and like yeah. just be catching well. Or even do like, it, it could be a total bust, right? Yeah. I'm not giving up a talent like Yonder D. If, if, yeah. if I can cut somebody else maybe. Um, an easy player to cut to, and then pick up Heim and keep Mike Diaz or whoever was backing him up, Melendez. I'm okay doing that, but I would not cut Yiner Diaz. I think the question. Jonah Heim. I think the question becomes: Who would you? How bad of a catcher do you need to drop that you'd be willing to take a zero for a half week um, in a league? Because yeah. there's a really good chance that that happens, right? Like where. Heim comes back, he throws, or he, he you know, Can't he go. swings, and all of a sudden he's back on the aisle, and you're taking a zero and having to drop him the next week. So yeah, um, you have to kind of factor that into the equation, and I think Diaz is a really good example of someone like, hey, like if I throw him back in the pool, someone else is going to grab him, and they may Instantly. leave me with a much worse option than I originally had than Diaz. Yep, I think that's a great way to analyze it. And, of course, standings are a big deal right now, too. Um, so you got to assess a lot of different things right now. Love Heim, one of my favorites coming into the year. But with this injury, I am with Justin where I have some caution about where what he's going to be down the stretch like, here. So be careful. For, for me, like, a, you know, picking, trying to pick him back up in my main event, I'm dropping David Fry, who's on the IL, you know. Um, totally yeah. fine. Yeah, easy yeah. move, not hurting you. And you and if you get Heim, great. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. But again, people that would maybe be cutting like a Diaz or a Melendez, 
I say you yeah, stick with those guys like absolutely. Dalton Varsho. I know he's been underwhelming mm-hmm. with that batting average. You stick with him over Hunt. Yeah. All right, let's play some uh, three up, three down here. We're doing a mix of, of hitters and pitchers. Usually one's all pitchers, one all hitters. We got two pitchers in each and a hitter in each. So let's start with the three up. You say Kikuchi. I got to give him his flowers here because he's a guy. I'm, I'm pretty tough on him in the SP chart uh, because he's a home run machine. So, uh, you know, as he's been in the midst of this run, I've been very cautious. I've still been recommending him in a lot of leagues, but I'm like, okay, guys, we know he's a homer machine. Be careful against the Dodgers. Okay, six innings, one run ball with eight Ks. I didn't recommend him that day, but he was great. Baltimore, six innings, one run, three Ks. Cleveland, seven innings, one run, six Ks. Um, and it's not just those three starts. He's been rolling for a while. And the most important thing is five straight starts with zero homers for you, Kikuchi. Yeah. So my biggest issue with him has been tamped down here. I don't want to say fixed or quelled. It's not 100% this way, but it's been tamped down big time here uh, for Yusei Kikuchi. I think it's making him an auto start right now, even as scary as he can be. Where do you currently stand on Yusei Kikuchi? Um, I'm very, very intrigued by what he's been doing. He's like massively dropped his fly ball rate. So uh, down to 26% over these five starts. Um, That's kind of great. Yeah, I'm kind of looking to see, like, did he eliminate a pitch? Um, or I guess he stopped throwing his split finger as much. What, what, what's, your, uh, what's your method for doing such a thing, by the way? I'm just looking at the Fangrass uh, pitch log or uh, um, game log and kind of. Okay, yeah, that's what, that's what I do too. So he stopped throwing his slider as much and he stopped throwing his split finger as much. He, he's basically ditched the split finger. At, it's at yeah. 12% for the year, 5% during these five starts, mm-hmm. which means it was probably closer to like 14, 15% before this run and the 5% uh, lately. That means it's a show me pitch. Yeah. So you could easily envision, and I, I could look this up, um, if he's given up homers off the splitty, maybe that's why he's yeah, well, not throwing as much. But Kikuchi, I mean, there's a lot to like here now because the thing of it is he's shown flashes pretty much his entire MLB career. By the way, he's been here five years now. Um, mm-hmm. That that kind of surprised me. But when I think back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But it's always been the homers that have that have hurt him. And you look at the, the great strikeouts, and he's had times where his – Control is in check, including this year, but it always comes back to the homers. 1.7 for his career and 1.6 so far this year. But during this run with the five homer-free games, it's got me liking Kikuchi, and uh, I'm recommending him. He gets Philly next week, and I would start him against Philly in pretty much any format. Yeah. um, I mean, he hasn't given up, like, he's only given up four home runs on the split finger. Um that's kind of a lot for a pitcher yeah. to only throw 12%, though. Yeah. And that's, uh, so I mean, maybe that is a little bit of it, but I mean, the majority of his home runs, 17 of his 22 home runs have been off of the fastball or slider, which is what he's rely- relying upon kind of right now. So those generally. have just been better then, right? Is what we're yeah. assuming is that the fastball and slider have just been tighter and, and, uh, better pitched for Kikuchi because, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's got 6.1 and 3.2 pitch values for those in the last five games, which pitch value, you don't need to know all the inner workings of it, but to be at 6.1 and 3.2 for a five-game run 
is pretty good. Now, those aren't predictive. Those are telling you the performance mm. of the pitches in those five games. Doesn't mean that they will be at that level going forward. But the bottom line is he's pitching very well. Is there any league where you're not at least rostering Yusei Kikuchi right now? Um, no, I think he should be rostered probably in every league. Uh, but I, he's definitely not a must start in every league. You got to be really Not careful. a must start, just a uh, must roster. Yeah, a must roster. Like He should be a team streamer in 10s and 12s. You're probably rolling with him every every game now in uh, in 15s. Uh, so I agree. Uh, just know that this can change on a dime. Like this is a guy who has shown like these flashes of brilliance yep. before, usually in spring training. So yeah, buy in on draft day. Um, <laughs> every spring training, you yeah. say Kikuchi. He's throwing two miles faster, dude. His I, strikeout rate's 35. percent after falling on my ass last year, I go, am I Charlie Brown with you say Kikuchi? I feel like I am. Yep. Um, and so I refuse to draft him this year. Uh, Same. I, I didn't so. buy the hype. And frankly, until recently, we were, we we're were in the yeah. right there. But hey, that's why you don't judge things too early. Because now, if you're looking at the composite, it's been pretty strong for Kikuchi. Well, no, so. you know what? I think you can judge things too early when it comes to some players. Only because how many people are rostering Yusei Kikuchi right now that drafted that him? That started with him. That's a yeah. great that's a great call out, right? Like so if you did draft him, you gave up probably a long time ago. Yeah. Depending on your league format, I guess. Because I'm looking here, like he ended May with a mid four ZRA. So in tens and twelves, if you had, had him, you're probably moving on from that. Um yeah, even as recently as July 1st, he had a 408 ERA, which is totally fine in like a 15-teamer, pretty good in a 12. But yeah, I, I think you make a good point that in 10s and 12s, there's probably a second or third manager with Kikuchi right now. I mean, how many people, even in 15-team leagues, dropped him after a second start where he went when he gave four up. and a third and gave yeah. up six? Like, like I think most... Because I remember having this conversation with, um, I think it was Rob Silver, and saying like, "Oh, Kikuchi's a really interesting like guy draft towards the end of your draft because he starts with a two step, and the first part of that is Kansas City." And he goes, "Yeah, but the second part of that is at the at the Angels, the Angels with a healthy Trout and Otani." And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, maybe not." And I bet you a lot of people that went who had my initial shot thought uh, initially went, "Oh, I just Pass. ate six earned runs." Yeah. Now I'm dropping him. So I bet you the vast majority of people who even drafted him in a 15 team league didn't have him for his start at you know versus Tampa on May 5th or on April 15th. I, I can absolutely see that. Um, and you know, with someone like Hakuchi, I do think people are, are comfortable making the quick decision on him when the home runs are flying. You're just like, okay, forget this guy. But he's rolling of late. Got to give credit for five straight homerless outings and definitely starting him next week against Philadelphia, even though they're a quality team. I like what Kikuchi's doing. Another guy from Japan who I think is getting completely overlooked. He had another gem yesterday. Are we talking enough about Kenta Maeda, Justin? Since his IL return, he has nine starts with a 236 ERA and 62 strikeouts in 49 and two-thirds innings with a sub one whip at 0.95 like he's just absolutely dominant he doesn't have a single bad outing well i guess the three innings three runs at oakland of all of all places by the way uh which is so funny i guess that's his worst outing i was i was looking at the earned runs i was like oh he hasn't gone over three at all okay so we'll say bad outing at oakland which is funny uh, of the one place that uh, he had trouble but he's been amazing. I love Kent Maeda. I love how well he's been pitching since returning. Um, is he being overlooked right now, Kent Maeda? 
Oh, um, I mean, I think probably a little bit, uh, you know, especially in shallower formats. Shout out to Nick Pollock who nailed this one because I was not in on Kitsumaeda coming into the season and How dare uh, you. definitely when he returned this time around from injury. But he, I mean, he's been fantastic. Um, there's just, there had been such a bad track record in recent seasons with him. Um, I don't want to say like overall, but in recent seasons where it's like, I don't know what Kenta Maeda is. And that's, that's fair. He missed all of last year. He had a 466, 130 ERA whip back in 2021. That's fair. I, I, you know, I gave you the old, how dare you? I understand being cautious with my, and then for those that don't remember, um, do you remember what his last outing was before the IL? It was bad. It was, it was like, 10 earned yeah, like, against the Yankees. So he left that taste in people's mouths. He lost four straight games. Against the Yankees and, team. This wasn't yeah. a good Yankees team. Like, this he lost like, four straight in April. Gives you 10 earned before he goes on the IL. I understand being like, okay, let me see a few things before I dive yeah. back in on this guy. But this is nine starts now. And only one of them, like I said, the only bad one was at Oakland, which is just hilarious to me. They've done that to a few guys this year where you look at like a good 8, 9, 10 start run, and the one dud is a trip to Oakland. They, they, they've they actually beaten up a few guys this year, weirdly enough. Of course, every team's going to get their wins, um, uh, a few of them at least. But yeah, with Maeda, we're talking about a 35-year-old. I guess, you know, we don't have to cycle forward to next year because we can assess that at the end of the year. But what about the rest of the way here? Has your trust turned? By the way, he gets Detroit again next week, so the schedule is blessing him pretty hard right now. He's had KC, the struggling D-backs, and then Detroit back-to-back. That's a pretty hot run there. So what do you think of Maeda the rest of the way? He's doing a really good job of inducing weak contact because there are really scary parts of the profile. Like his... Yeah, his fly ball rate is like really, really high, um, you know, over like this run, especially. But I mean, it's 50 percent for the season is fly ball rate. Um, So it's like like there there will be a game where he gets hit for multiple home runs. um, And it's not like his walk rate is like, you know, Six percent, six percent is pretty yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty dead, dead. But um, I hear you on the homers. He's been over one point two the last four seasons. Kentamaeda has, and this, so that's this is, tough. And this is with a home run to fly ball rate at ten percent right now. Like that should come up. So like I think there's gonna be some regression uh, in the home run rate, uh, like kind of rest of the way. But he's doing such a good job of keeping men off base and uh, via the free pass, and then also inducing a lot of weak contact that like I think he can still be pretty darn good. Maybe not this good, but still pretty darn good rest of the way. Yeah, and uh, again, Detroit next week, and then a trip to Milwaukee after that. And I respect this Milwaukee team. I think they're pretty decent. I like some of the moves they made, but I can't see any world where I'm taking my eight out for that. That could be the homer game. You know, Miller Park, I forget what it's called right now. I don't give a shit. It always uh, been Miller Park to me. Yeah, M- Miller Park uh, can boost homers, so it, that could be a little bit Isn't of a problem. Isn't it like spot. American Financial Field or something? Oh, like yeah, that. that's right. That's right. It is something like that. American after some insurance company. Yeah. America's first family field or some stuff. Yeah, I think that's like that. what I think it's what it is. Actually. God, dude. Unbelievable. The guaranteed rate is still the worst. It will always yeah. be the worst in Chicago. Guaranteed rate. Get the hell out of here with this. Um, but anyway, I, Maeda. I, yeah, American fam American family field. Um, I think it's what it's called. Yeah. Um like I understand that Great American is a company name, but it, at least it's it doesn't sound it almost sounds like 
they did like a chat GPT generated version of the uh, Great American Ballpark. Yeah. Because again, that's a company, but it does sound like it's not. So they're like, give us one like that. How about American Family Park? Or what is it called again? America, yeah, American Family Field, I believe. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Get the um, hell out of here, Milwaukee. Anyway, go ahead. You, you know they probably make like weapons, right? Like oh, for that, for sure, you know, absolutely. American yes. Family Company. American Family Company has nine-year-olds making weapons. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We're kidding. We're kidding. We don't yeah. know what the company does. You can sponsor us if you want. No, just kidding. <laughs> I totally make this um, the the, the sleeper in the American, American Family. family. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's go with our uh, our one up hitter here right now, and this is a this is a show favorite, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't given him more shine. I think we've we've had a dereliction of duty as uh, big time Hassan Kim fans fans over the years. To the year that he breaks out, we're not talking about him every episode. What are we doing over here? 15 homers, 27 steals for our guy Hassan Kim with a 288 average. 63 runs, 41 ribbies. He's having a brilliant season. Um, the 27 steals is amazing. The 15 homers, don't sleep on that either. It's just been a brilliant year for Kim. We were on Kim day one. Uh, I am back patting our, our, us a little bit. Uh, it took a couple years, right? First year was was a bumpy transition. Second year was solid but unspectacular last year. He was a 105 OPS plus. But this year, the full-scale breakout at age 27. We should have known the magic age for Hassan Kim. Uh, but again, I know we love him. How are you feeling about our boy Kim? And are you believing in this going forward for 2024? Um, only be 28. Yeah, I mean, I believe in this. Like, this is what I thought he could be when I was drafting him last year. Like, you know. A guy mm -hmm. who's going to have enough power that plays, hits for good average, and steals a crap ton of bases. Um, the steal changes, I mean, just a huge... Because this, yeah. this is the kind of guy he was over in Korea. 20-something homers, 20-something steals. Hassan Kim was a stud over there. And he has let off every game that he has started since the beginning of July. On one of the best team offenses in baseball, right? Like... I know they haven't played necessarily like they they should, there's, but like, there's still quality. Though. I mean, you're talking about Soto, Tatis, uh, and Machado, Machado batting behind him. Um, like he's like this is a guy who's just unbelievably uh, valuable. I'm in my first drafts of the year right now for my three sport league. You're um, insane. And he went pretty high in the draft. Uh, I'm trying to find exactly where he went. Give me one second and I'll uh Okay. Um, now, I'll, I'll mention while you're looking for that that he's on pace for twenty two homers and forty steals. Uh which would just be I mean such a boon for uh, Hassan Kim, especially because he's triple eligible, second, short, and third right now. So I mean there's just so much fantasy goodness with Hassan Kim. And of so, course it's not the year where I have him on every freaking team. Yeah. I mean I've got him in a number of spots, which has been really, really nice for me. Unfortunately not in any of like my big money leagues. Mm -hmm. um, so he went in the 16th round, at the end of the 16th round in this draft. Now, again, this is a three-sport league. Three sport. So, and baseball gets the lowest amount of priority because it's the last sport that's played on the season, right? Exactly, because so, this is for 2024. Yeah. Um, but let me give you some names, some baseball names that were taken after him in this draft, all right? Okay. Uh, Luis Castillo. Oh, Bo Bichette. Okay. Yeah. Bryce Harper. Wow. Felix Bautista, Manny Machado, Randy Rosarena. Machado? Wow. Yeah. Nolan too. Arenado. Like, 
Josh Hader, O'Neill Cruz, Lane Thomas, uh, Framber Valdez, Cody Bellinger. I took Paul Goldschmidt after him. Um, another guy who's broken out this year, you know, uh, CJ Abrams. Like there are definitely some, some love for Kim. There's then. some love for Kim, and I think there are people who are going to look at what he what he's done going into 2024, and they're going to go, yeah, I mean, he's leading off for one of the best offenses in baseball. He steals a ton of bases, going to get a ton of runs, and he's not a zero in terms of power. Like he's going to get, and he's multi-positional eligible, and he's six uh, games at short from bringing all three positions into next year. Yeah, he already has second and third. Uh, locked Hassan Kim does. Yeah, I mean he's not going to get. He hasn't played shortstop since June twenty second. It would take like an injury, right? He'd yeah, have to be Bogarts would have to go down. Um, yeah. and we don't want that, by the way. Yeah, we're not we're not rooting for that. No, even though I bet against Bogart in a lot of ways this year, but um, yeah, you can you can you can let at him this fail. point I've lost the bet that I made yeah. with, the, with the triple play guys because I said I I I was talking about how I didn't really like Bogarts coming in the year. He hasn't and, been that good though. What did you bet? He has, I I did a player comparison and the and the guy I took over oh. him has been way worse. Okay. Um, in a Madrasario. So oh, okay. like okay. that one's done anyways. Yeah, like, because Bogey Bogey is only seventeenth at uh, here, you're not dead. It's seventeen to nineteen at shortstop according to the let's player. Let's go. Record. You are in this right now. And I will say, at least in the short term here, Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, has been hitting all right with with the Dodgers. At least anecdotally, I, he's been on my bench. I haven't cut him yet because there hasn't been anybody better to pick up. But yeah, he actually is hitting better with the Dodgers. So you're not dead oh. on that one. But anyway, with Kim, are you you buying enough to draft pretty high next year then too? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to. You know, before I like lock myself in, I'm going to do my projections really early this year, mm -hmm. um, or, or at least start them really early. So yeah, I'm starting mine next month. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to as well. So uh, I'll have a really good idea by the time we get to Arizona in November. But yeah, I, th I think I am because like the hit tool has been really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, Plate skills are fantastic. His Ks are up a bit, but his walks are up five points. Again, we're still talking about Hassan Kim. He's gone from a 17% K rate to 20%. I can live with that, especially when it's a 9 to 13% walk rate jump. I love that well, for Kim. And a lot of that strikeout rate has been passivity at the plate, right? Like he's yeah. trying to get on Getting base. Deep. He's got a six percent swing and strike rate this year, which is an improvement from seven yeah. percent and then nine um, percent the year before. And he's only swinging outside the zone like twenty one and a half percent of the time. He's making fantastic in zone contact uh, when he does swing. So, so yeah, those added Ks are a hundred percent an approach yeah. change to where you're going to get deeper in the counts. You're going to have more Ks. So yeah, I fully buy this. Um, he's. I don't think Hassan Kim is going to be cheap next year. I'm okay. I'm willing to pay it. Like there's I a think chance he, can, he goes twenty forty. That yeah, that's that's the pace right now. Like, and I think insane. he could do that, and I think he could do it again next year. I don't think this is a mirage. I I believe in Hassan Kim, and I love what he's doing. Let's go to three down. Hook 'em horns, man. This this is uh this is a longhorn here, but I saw this one coming a mile away, and most people did. By the way, this is not a brag on Bryce Elder, but you had to see it coming. The tough part is, at least until recently, like it's been such a struggle now that I think people are off of him. But when it first started to turn, his ERA was moving from like 245 to 297. It's like I, I still had trouble like getting him out of the lineup, even though you knew that trouble was coming. Um, he's moved his ERA from 245 to 364 
over his last six starts. It's been a rough go for Bryce Elder. Four mega duds, but also two gems against Milwaukee mixed in there. That's that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, trips to Tampa Bay, uh, the Cubs and Pittsburgh have not gone well. One of those makes sense, right? Tampa Bay, but then, well, the Cubs too. The Cubs are good as well, but getting murked at Pittsburgh is really upsetting. Uh, Arizona crushed him, and then, like I said, he beat Milwaukee twice. So you're looking at a 794 ERA in the last six starts for Bryce Elder, 17 Ks, 12 walks, and 28 innings. We knew that he was way over his skis with the hot streak. I don't think many people thought he was this bad, though, and now he's kind of come crashing the other way. And this is like... This is that phenomenon that doesn't make sense mathematically to say like, oh, he's been so good here, he's going to have some bad starts to even it out. Mathematically, you're supposed to say, oh, no, he's he'll be his 450 projection from here forward. But we know the way baseball works, that you usually have some negativity coming your way to kind of like balance things out. I know it is like a flawed principle, but it always... It doesn't always come out that way, but it often comes out that way. And I think Bryce Elder was just a matter of time, right? A 10% strikeout minus walk is so underwhelming. It was never going to sustain a sub-3 ERA. He's still only at 364 for the year. Are you even holding Bryce Elder at this point? Did he do enough good work in that first half that you're still holding him? Or are you possibly moving off of Bryce Elder altogether? I think in 10s and 12s, you should uh, move off I think of so Elder. Um, I think in 15s, like anybody with a pulse right now, like is still, like, still too good to cut. Yeah, it's still too good to cut. Like, yeah. I, I mean, uh, the hard part is, like, when do you play a guy like that? Like, you, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I felt the same way about Michael Kopech, and then it's like, like, picking and choosing his starts is a nightmare. It's an absolute, I mean, I'm, I'm still so glad I cut him, dude. I don't have to deal with that headache. I, yeah. my, my, my Tums budget came way down when I cut Michael Kopech. So I, I think there's a lot to, um, I, I don't have a problem necessarily cutting him, but... Cutting Elder, uh, yeah, cutting Elder, but it's it's really really hard to figure out when you're gonna get to use him. Like, Let me I ask mean, you this. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm I was sorry. I was gonna ask you like he goes he's home versus Yankees. Next. Mm -hmm. Would you start him there? Because then he'll line up for a two step. That's where I was gonna get you was the two step. Oh, okay. At uh, home to the Mets and at San Francisco, it, like let, let's let's say we pass on the Yankees because it's a one step and judges back even though they're not that good. Okay, we, we were going to hold him and pass on that. I do think that Elder then faces that litmus test of if you can't start him in a two-step, then you cut I, him. I was exact. I was going to say that exact same thing. Um, I think obviously it depends on what your uh, what your other options are. Um, yeah. But in a fifteen-team league, like there's not a ton of other. Op I started Yanni Chirinos this week trying to like get two wins, and that started off terribly. It, uh, against Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah they, they so, clocked him. Um, you know, like so, like, and now I get the Mets, uh, and you know, so if he gets clocked twice, that's going to feel really bad because I could have had one mediocre start from Michael Kopech yeah. as opposed to two really bad starts from Yanni Chirinos in a league where I can't really afford that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I'll be interested to see what his start percentage is in like the main event. Me too. Um, because I, I think he's is one of those guys where you probably should start him on that two-step. You know, the Mets are atrocious right now offensively, and the Giants and your are boys mediocre. are mediocre. Yeah. yeah, they're mediocre at best. And so. it's in San Francisco. In San Francisco, so yeah. This week, Elder was 76% started, 96% rostered. So he's only available in like one main event. Um, 
on the waiver wire. I don't think that's necessarily going to go up. Although the getting clocked against Pittsburgh, I think actually it will yeah. go up. At Pittsburgh. It, it, At there, Pittsburgh. Yeah, there are going to be cuts. Never mind. I take that back. I think he is going to be cut in some spots. I'll tell you what. And then if he goes out and puts, like, let's say he goes out and puts up six innings, four runs against the Yankees. So not a quality start, I'd but certainly not. I mean, I, would I, pick think him there, up I think there's a number of, you know, in 15 team leagues. Now, I want to make sure people realize we're talking about in 15 team leagues. 15 we're not specific. About 12. Yep. He should not be rostered in those leagues. Like that no, you can is, leave him there. Even for the two-step, you can leave Bryce in, Elder. In 15-team leagues, like we are scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. Like, Yeah, let me tell you the guys that are out there that you could pick up if you weren't getting a Bryce Elder. J.P. Sears, win potential doesn't exist. Uh, Ross Stripling, like what are we doing there? Nothing. Talent, talent doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Blackburn, again, win probability. Like Colorado and Oakland starters. Matthew Liebertor, I know he threw a great revenge uh, game I'll, last I'll, night. I'll tell you right now. So these are the most ava- most rostered guys that are available in my main event right now. Okay. Zach Littell. And I'm, I'm taking off injured guys. Uh, yeah. Zach Littell, Luis Severino, David Peterson, Carlos Carrasco. Littell's the only one I take over Elder. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and I think that one's even debatable like you know right like we'll talk about him in the two-step okay so uh yeah i mean this is a a nightmare situation for people in 15 team leagues and this is yeah this is a 15 these are 15 team leagues where you don't even have il spots so like the injured players still have to be rostered which means that the the waiver wire depth is actually deeper than a you know regular 15 team leagues exactly and that's still all that's out there so it's hard with elder right now he brought you so far you know you got so much good work even if you cut your losses right now though and you got eight wins a 364 era and a 124 whip, let's say you got all of it still a huge net w yeah from a guy you probably picked up off the waiver wire yeah, exactly absolutely. so don't let him erase all of it <laughs> be careful it's okay to move on from him. he has an 18 percent k rate um, you don't have to just use his regular, his full season numbers and say, I have to keep this guy. There are situations where you can cut him. 10s, 12s, easy. 15s, be careful with Bryce Elder. Marcus Stroman is nowhere near being cut for a similar reason. Uh, he's a much bigger name value, but also the whole, like, he did so well for me. He's on the IL now, though, too, so that adds another twist. But Marcus Stroman uh, has given back everything. And this is another one where it kind of makes sense if you looked at the underlying metrics and you said, okay, his Sierra, his FIP, all those ERA indicators are right in line with the numbers that they've always been, like a mid-threes type of guy, even when he had a low twos ERA. So over his last seven starts, he's had a nine ERA uh, with 28 Ks and 30 innings and only one good start mixed in there. It was against Boston of all teams, one of the one of the better teams, but then um, got beat up by a bunch of mediocre and bad teams, and now he's on the IL. Where do you stand on Marcus Stroman now, um, and and where are you holding him, if if anywhere, with the injury? I mean, I think well, he's he's projected to be he's, back. He's on supposed Friday. to be back quick, right? Yeah, yeah. Friday versus Kansas City, so you're holding him through that at least, and then we reassess because uh, I'm starting Friday meaning next week, just so people. Yeah, yeah. Know, or right? this this net, yeah, next Friday. So a this week from today. Yeah, this upcoming schedule. Uh, I'm starting him. Like I've got him in my auction. He's been fantastic for me. I know the last few starts have been bad, but I think part of that may have been due to, you know, whatever was going on injury wise with him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have, I think if you have him on your roster, 
or you can pick him up. I think you do this week, and then you reevaluate after. If he's bad, in, you know, in Kansas City, uh, which is one of the greatest places in the league to pitch, and against one of the worst teams in baseball, and um, well lately, I can just tell you. Yeah, I'm still know, starting. I'm not. I'm not saying that you should move off of them. I just yeah. want to. Yeah, I'm point still. Out. I just if you can't start him at Kansas City, then you can't have him on your roster. Like, Precisely. I no, no, I I fully agree with that. So like I, I, I don't know what he's gonna be, but I think the next start um, is really indicative of what we can expect rest of the season. So I'm I'm gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna say a little prayer, and I'm gonna hope to God he doesn't destroy my ratios again. Yeah, Stroman a lot more trustable than Bryce Elder. Um, I think if you just expect like a mid three ZRA with a decent whip and some win upside from Stroman, you can continue to expect that. So they're yeah, in a playoff would, race right now. Like, absolutely. No, I, I would stick with him too. I agree. I, agree. Have, I think Fangraphs has him the Cubs as a thirty percent chance of winning the division. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I I, I respect what the Cubs are doing. It's fifty percent chance them. to make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I I mean it's a good team. And they're I not like going to let bought. him. They're not going to let him get just destroyed. Like if he no no not, no he's not going to wear something. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to wear six in four innings or something yep. like that. He you know if he's bad early on, they will just pull him and and break in Wisniewski or whatever. Yeah, unless yeah, unless Wesneski gives up gives up like some inherited runners. I agree with yeah. you. They're not just going to let Stroman get pummeled, especially that first start back off the IL. And like you said, at KC, you just you got to do it. You yeah. got to. So we're sticking with Stro. It's been tough, but uh, I think you got to roll with him. And then the thir- three down um, hitter is Teoscar Hernandez, and it's been kind of a down season. He leads the AL in strikeouts, two forty one or excuse me, two forty four, two ninety one, four fifteen slash line. 17 homers, five steals. Um, it's been even worse of late for Teoscar. Uh, and you look at July, he had a 534 OPS hitting 200. Um, so far in the first week of August, it's actually been a bit better with an 881. But if you add July and August together, you're looking at 30, 33 games of pretty down work. Um, he had an amazing June, six homers, 949 OPS, but really bad April, May. Teoscar just hasn't quite been there, and he's putting a batting average drain on you, too, with a 244. Definitely an OBP drain if you play an OBP league at 291. Are we still holding Teoscar in 10s and 12s? I think 15s, it's not a question, so we don't even need to go there. But what about 10s and 12s? Is Teoscar still somebody that you're that you're holding? Or even uh, starting, let alone holding. I mean, holding, let alone starting. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think... I can understand. I can understand dropping him in tens uh, and even most twelve. Here's the thing: like the underlying numbers say, he's been exactly who he he's always been. Um, yeah. He's just getting kind of some bad luck in terms of like the overall numbers, like you know the overall surface numbers. Um, he's a guy who swings too much, mm-hmm. but when he makes contact, it's hard Don't contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But we're talking about like since the All Star break, he has a one percent walk rate, one percent, like with a thirty-two percent strikeout rate. And if you look even further under the hood, you go, "Hey, he's making above league average contact at eighty-six percent in the zone, right? Like that's pretty good, right?" Well, the problem is he's swinging outside the zone forty-six percent of the time, <gasps> which is shit. a nightmare when you're talking about. I usually league average, and I can double check what league average is this year so far. 
but usually it's around like, like 30 28 percent okay, right yeah like, not even 30 you know and like so for him to be swinging that far outside the zone um, that often is like indicative of a guy who really has no understanding what the strike zone looks like um and pitchers are taking advantage of that they're going well like Hey, he makes good contact in the zone, but he'll swing outside of it. So why would I ever throw it in the zone? Yeah, why um, would I ever give him the chance to so, necessarily? Yeah. Beat so him? for league context this year, yeah, O swing is thirty one point eight percent league average, and he's at forty six point eight percent. Like that's that, crazy for Teoscar. Like that is an insane amount over. So, um, but here's the thing: like this is the kind of guy that. If you're looking for just someone who could get hot at the end of the season, he's that kind of guy. Like if he has 12 home runs in a month, I'm not going to be surprised. I agree. Um, But I think there's also a really, really good chance that he hits 120 as, you know, instead of like it's a huge range of outcomes. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who are in head to head, like I know we don't talk enough about head to head. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of you playing it. He's the kind of guy that I don't want because he could sink your playoffs. Totally agree. You know, Um, but in Roto, like you go, oh man, like I can kind of close my eyes and hopefully the numbers at the end of the year are pretty darn good um, in spite of bad skills. So where do you think he ranks Teoscar Hernandez among outfielders this year? Um, with 17 homers, five steals, and a 244 average, which isn't as bad as I, I, I implied that it was worse than it is. I'm gonna guess that he's just outside the top 40. Damn, dude, you're good at this. He's 37th. Yeah. Well, see, he's I've been just I, inside I, the top. I did 40. a lot of like ranking stuff for my three sport draft. Okay, so, so like, you, you're in have, tune with it. Like, I know that, like, um, like Cedric Mullins, who's missed like a good portion of the year with injury is still like in the top 50. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. that means the Oscar's probably ahead of him, um, which means like, yeah. So um, yeah, outfield's so he, been bad. Outfield is exactly. not good this year. So yeah. 37th, obviously any five outfielder league, mm-hmm. Oscar's still super viable, but even like a three outfielder, 10-teamer, 37th outfielder when you count reserves and everything, he's not that far out of the mix, especially when some of these outfielders are probably being played elsewhere. Like Spencer Steer is better utilized at like third base. Mm-hmm. Tatis probably at short. So maybe not even have to cut him in, in tens. Might be a pickup if he does get hot. So keep an eye on Teoscar. I agree with you in the head-to-head piece 100%. You do yeah. not want a guy like that. He can sink you and just be a complete dead spot. Uh, but he is running a little bit hotter right now, even though he's in three down. His last week has been good. There's a couple three-hit games. But um, you know the volatility that you're getting with Teoscar. And so yeah. uh, he's a guy we root for, but we we know his shortcomings. We've been on him since Toronto's success. But, um, you know, 244 average is what you can get at times. All right, let's talk some two-step guys. I'm going to see where you're at with these dudes and what formats you might be starting them, if any. Hey, man, Graham Ashcraft I think those of us who were in on him at the beginning of the year were finally back in because he's uh, actually pitching well and bringing some skills with it. Now, he's been on a decently long stretch right now, but at the very beginning of it, the skills were putrid, Justin. We're talking like one-to-one strikeout to walk, and I'm like, I can't buy into this. But now if you look at the last four, the strikeouts are up um, and the walks are are staying pretty low. So if you add it all up, it's eight starts of a 194 ERA for Graham Ashcraft with a 18% strikeout rate, which isn't great, 
but then an 8% walk rate, which is fine. So again, that includes the ugly part of it when he wasn't striking anybody out. He has eight, two, five, and seven Ks in his last four. So three good. The one bad one was against the Dodgers. So it's a lot to say that an eight-start run of high quality with the skills finally coming along, home to Cleveland and Toronto, so both at Great American Small Park, are you starting Graham Ashcraft this week? And if so, what formats? Oh, that's, uh, that is a really, really good question. Um, 15's got to be yes, right? Uh, yeah, God, I think so. Be. So I picked him up. Um, I'm trying to see exactly what the date was. I think it was, uh, yeah, okay. So I picked him up five starts ago. And in these five starts, I've gotten uh, 32 and a third with 25 strikeouts. Uh, at a you got all the ERA and a .99 whip. Um, and he has been a godsend for my main event yeah. team who needed ratio help. Um, this is like a pretty uh, nice two-step. Um, Toronto has not been good recently. Correct. And Cleveland is a dumpster fire offensively right they're easy to get. Um, yeah. I say that now. Jose Ramirez is going to hit four homers. Well, but is, when does Jose Ramirez start? Oh, yeah. We don't even know. He, he might not even be for this game. For the series. So, Could you imagine how perfect that would be? <laughs> I feel like you have to start him in just about every format. I think um, so, too. Graham Ashcraft, I think, is startable everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm starting him for sure in my main event. I just like, so For sure in the main, 12 team, easy, and then 10s, I think it's viable. It's it's yeah. that classic. Uh, it might not be your roster because in a 10 team, you could easily have a rotation that's too good, but somebody in that league needs to be starting Graham Ashcraft, Absolutely. Cleveland, and Toronto. What about Braxton Garrett? He gets a toughie, Houston, and then at the Dodgers. He's had his struggles. And it's usually confined to a start or two, uh, but then he gets back on track and he's back on track again lately. Now, the one thing about Braxton Garrett is he's pretty firmly limited to 95 pitches or fewer. If you'll notice this year, he hasn't gone over it. In fact, it's closer to 90 and fewer because he's he's been 90 or fewer in all but two of his 23 starts. So that limits him, but he's been able to consistently go five, a lot of times six as well. But it does put him in that little danger zone, especially against Houston and at the Dodgers, where these could be eight innings, right? These could both be four inning yeah. outings. So what are we doing with Braxton Garrett, Houston, and at the Dodgers? Where are you starting him, if anywhere? I think he's kind of a must start. I mean, I, I, I think so, too. That's the tough part. But what about in, even in 10s and 12s? Yeah, I mean, if you – like, he's had two starts in which he gave up multiple home runs. But those starts killed his, like, overall line. So, like, if you kind of excuse, especially that Atlanta start earlier in the season. He wore that. Remember when they made him wear it, too? that. Yeah, like, like, if we just, like, we'll cut off, like, the good work that he did before that. So, if we sort by May 8th on, so it doesn't include mm-hmm. that May 3rd start. Like, he's got a 357 ERA with 10 strikeouts per nine. You know, rest the way. Like, he's, like... He's just too good, right, Garrett? Too darn good. And, like, I understand, like, these are really scary starts because the Dodgers are one of the better teams in baseball. And, and Houston's Houston healthy. Is, Houston's healthy. But neither of those teams have been Houston and the Dodgers of old. That's fair. Um, I think you're starting him on both of these. Like, in, in 15s for sure, 
I think in most 12s in a lot of 10s. Like, I think you're I starting think so. Yeah. I agree. Because you're just not going to find a whole lot else out there that's as good of the com combined talent with some upside here, too, because um, Miami's playing pretty well, right? They can still, yeah. and he only has six wins, but he can get a win here as well with one of these two games. Yes, it's two difficult opponents, but I find myself pulling the trigger on Garrett a lot here, um, even like, in the shallower formats. Even if you just look at what he's done in the second half, which is not good on the surface, right? Mm -hmm. 547 ERA under a strikeout and inning. A lot of that is bad luck. He's had a 360 BABIP, a 64% strand rate. Like those are both numbers that you go, oh, he's getting unlucky. And the FIP and XFIP bear that out. He's got a 330 XFIP and a 375 FIP. Like that's he's. Like he five should, starts since the break, right? Yeah, and five starts since the break. Like he should be better than what the numbers have shown. Yeah, uh, since the break. So like, I think he is. Like I think I think he's one of these guys that um, I kind of wish I had written him up on my my buy low article this week. Now looking, maybe I'll write him up next week. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those guys. Like the numbers do not bear out what he has been, and I think he is a really really good starter rest of the way and a really sneaky starter coming in next year i totally agree with that on braxton garrett i i i've put miami in that class of teams that i just really trust with their pitching development yeah. it's not just the park um that certainly helps but they are good at developing pitchers i like braxton garrett i'm totally with you um the the trip to baltimore was a little tough and then three homers against colorado at home, which was a real bummer because he got them in Miami and, and kind of blew that start. But his last three cents then have rebounded. I'm starting Garrett everywhere. I mentioned Zach Littell earlier, or actually you did. I said, we'll talk about him here. He gets a trip to San Francisco and a trip to the Angels. So he's heading out west. Are they pulling this off again? Is this right-handed Jeffrey Springs here? Zach Littell, since joining the rotation, it's only three starts, right? Uh, or actually four starts, and then there's a two-inning uh, appearance mixed in there. So we're going back to July 19th, basically the second half. 2.42 ERA, uh, 17 Ks, and one walk in 22 and a third innings. It's just over a one whip at 1.12. So... We know what the Rays can do with guys out of nowhere. Is Zach Littell the latest? And are you starting him at the Giants and Angels? Ah, uh, oh my God. No, he's not the next. Like, this is. Okay, it's a little he's... lofty to say that, but he... is he any good? Is Zach Littell any good, even? No, I don't think he is. Um, <sighs> I think he. I think he is the. Um, epitome of the the phrase like hey major leaguers even the worst major leaguers are still really good baseball players and any call. major leaguer can like go through a stretch in which they are a viable major leaguer right because like mm -hmm. this is a guy he's been the you know been in and out of the major for you know years i remember with the giants he gives up so much contact he's doing a good job of limiting damage but like I, this is gonna come crashing down like i don't think he's a very good pitcher um, he's not overpowering at all. I think he is getting pretty lucky. Um, and 342 Babbitt with the Rays has not come back to hurt him. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's. I think there's going to be some massive regression. If you want to use him against the Giants, I have no problem. The Angels scared me. Like as they much as the, the Angels like have not been like the best of teams. It's not really their hitting that's been a problem. It's exactly. Pitching. And uh, so, like, I'm not super worried 
or I, I would be a little worried about using him against the Angels. Um, so in 15 team leagues, I think you're rolling with it because you like the first start of the weekend. You just hope he survives versus the Angels. But yep. in 10s and 12s, I just think the upside is so limited on a guy who's getting like seven strikeouts per nine that why yeah. would I risk that? I think your full assessment there on Zach Littell makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I invoked the Jeffrey Springs name there mostly as a gag because he does not have the dominance, the kind of overpowering stuff that we were seeing from Springs that that turned into something legitimate before he got hurt. Um, it, it's it's great what Littell's doing, and I agree on 15s, but 10s and 12s, I think it's too hard to start. I, I've been terrified of the Angels all year. You do not want to start non-aces against them. What about Clark Schmidt? Here's another big challenge, right? Like we got four guys here, Ashcraft, Garrett, Littell, and Schmidt, who have different levels of appeal. But outside of Ashcraft, the other three all have difficult two-steps. Clark Schmidt has to go to Atlanta and then home to Boston. He's been doing a lot better lately overall. Has he done enough to where you're going to trust him for something like that, though? Can you even get to... Uh, Clark Schmidt start in 15 teamers with a trip to Atlanta and home to Boston on the docket. Nope. And Atlanta's a no go for me. Like that's yeah. just like they are like, aces only. Yeah. And and even there's some aces where you really question whether or not you should do it. But uh yeah, no. This is one of those like I like what Clark Schmidt has been doing. He's been uh much more effective. Still getting up a few too many home runs, but sure. Like I'm like he's doing okay because he's doing a really good job of limiting the walks, right? He has not had a multi-walk game since the end of June, mm-hmm. um, which allows him to give up the occasional home run uh, and not get completely burned by it. That being said, like Atlanta is the best team in baseball, and I am not messing around with them. And I'm not really super keen on facing Boston. I know they've been no, a little bit if, if it was offensively. Like, if it was like Atlanta and Pittsburgh, I think we were ha- or Atlanta and the Detroit. A, like yeah. yeah, like I could make the argument like, well, maybe he could survive against Atlanta, and then I get a really good start. But like Atlanta, Boston, like no, that's a that's a that's, that's super the number scary. one offense and a top ten offense on the docket for a guy who is not overpowered. Like this no, is, he's not. This is not a guy who's going to like mow anybody down. So no way. No, he he's been running hot of late um, for for a while now. Since May nineteenth, Clark Schmidt hasn't given up more than three earned in an outing, and that's uh, fifteen outings. Fourteen of them are starts, but only has sixty two Ks in those seventy five innings. To your point about not being overpowering, what about a situation in like a twelve? Would you pick up Schmidt and bench him, even though you're not starting him for the two step? Is, is there any concern that like if he does well here? then the price goes up or would you just wait until this week goes before well, I mean, picking up? The, the problem is his, his start the following week is at Tampa Bay. He's starting him there. Oh, that's, Are you going to stash him for week two? start him at Tampa Bay? Cause I don't think I would. Nope. I wouldn't either. Yeah. And in, in shower leagues, I think you just let Clark Schmidt stay out there yeah. right now. Let somebody else take the gamble there. The at Atlanta, like you said, cancels it out for me. A hundred percent. Your boy pitching better of late Brady singer. We got to talk about him. He gets Seattle, and then the Cubs come visiting, which, as we've talked about, you know, the Cubs are no joke. But Singer is pitching better. We've seen a pitch mix change from him that is fueling some positive results. And um, I'm pulling up his numbers here real quick. Pardon me. His last four outings have been 
245 ERA with 27 Ks and five walks in 25 and two thirds, and a sub one whip that sits at 0.86. So four gems out of Singer, and I'll even throw in the Tampa Bay start, which was eight innings, and it was four runs, but three of them, or all four of them came in the eighth inning. So he was pretty damn good in that outing too, if you really want to break it down there for Singer. So throw that one in. It's five starts of a 294 ERA with 31 Ks, five walks and 33 and two thirds. Are you back in on your boy Brady Singer? I hate this guy. I fucking hate this guy. Like, I just, I, I unreal, dude. Like, you supported so, him so much this year. I talked about all the good work that um, uh, Graham Ashcraft has done for my main event team. Um, let me tell you the numbers I got from Brady Singer earlier in the season before I dropped his ass. I got 43 and a third of a 706 ERA <laughs> and a 164 no. whip. Oh, that's so brutal. And now he's on the team I'm chasing for first place. Oh my god, that is a nightmare, dude. So not only and, did I get all that bad work and then drop him, but the team that I am now chasing for first place has him do, pitching do you well. Want, do you want to say the other thing that they got? Well, they also got to bench Spencer Strider because NFBC's site went down and they gave everybody a quote-unquote free look, and so they didn't have to wear Spencer Strider's bad start earlier How this week. How brutal is that? Um, you know, I'm not mad at Matt Modica and Jason Anthony, who are the guys ahead of me. No. Um, it, the Sharon, Sharon and main event team ahead of me, um, like they did exactly what I would have done too because I, I, I did the math. Even if he throws a no-hitter later this week in the second start of the week, he would still have like a 480 ERA for the week or yeah. something like that. So and, and it's hard. Like, okay, so for people that don't know, the NFPC site went down for hours on Monday. Yeah. I don't know what else they could have done. During lineup um, walk. And yeah, like, yeah, during lineup walk. And that's no matter what they did, people were going to be mad. Because you either say, hey, listen, lineup's lock. Sorry, the time went down. You got to yeah. eat it. Or you say, you do what they did, which is say, hey, we're going to let people change their lineups even for games that have started until this period of time. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that it fell on the time where I was sick and went and t- took a nap because – uh, I went to go double. I set my lineups already, but yeah, you'd already set. Go, so you... I, I went to go double check, and I couldn't get in. I was like, "Well, screw it. I'm gonna go take a nap." And then I wake up to this is the ruling. The but the time has already passed, which you can do it. Um, and it just screwed me. It may it may end up. I, I moved into first place in that league, and so. Uh, not that people care about my team, but whatever. Um, it's it's a bummer, but it is funny that Singer is now double burning yeah. you because you've cut him uh, and now he's on their team. He's pitching well, so let's put your bias aside, your your rightful bias. I don't know. Their Are you? Team. Would you recommend others start him? Okay, you're ner- you're too nervous about it. Um, no, no. I said I don't know if I can put my. my oh, bias okay. You aside. don't know if you can put your bias um, aside. Can, can you recommend him to others to to go get Singer now that he's rolling? I mean. Here's the thing, like, I don't think that much has changed. Like, no, it's like a little pitch mix change, right? It's a like very the slider. little, and we it, no, it's it's a change up. He's throwing closer to ten percent of the time. Okay, which is that so it's not even that big of a change. And so it's like, I think this could revert back on a dime. Um, and so I think this is one of those things where you use him while he's hot, but the first sign of trouble, you might want to drop him. So like, I can understand like. Hey, you play matchups with him, and what did you say his his two starts? He's are? getting Seattle and home to the Cubs. I think you can roll with that. 
um, this week. But like, if he gets beat up on one of them, I think you have to drop because he's still virtually a two pitch guy. Um, yeah, you know, his, la- his last start he only threw it like six and a half percent of the time. The third pitch. Yeah. So like, as much as I like Singer, um, I was wrong on him. And even if he salvages the second half of you know his season to make things look more respectable. I think the people who said you shouldn't draft Singer where he was going because he's a two pitch guy were right, and I and I, you know, I was wrong on that, and because um, I don't think enough has changed in terms of if he was throwing it fifteen percent of the time, that's something I, I would be like, yes, okay, this is what we need to see, and maybe he keeps increasing it, and by the end of the season we go, oh, he is throwing it fifteen percent time, and that's something we can take into next year, but mm-hmm. ultimately I don't think enough has changed, uh, at least not drastically enough for for Brady Singer that. Um, he has turned into a different pitcher. I think he's still the same pitcher getting better results. Yep. And that's what it ended up being last year too, was Brady Singer's skill set stayed the same. It was just the best of what it could be last year. It wasn't really growth the way some of us thought it was when we were advocating for Brady Singer this year. Uh, JP Sears, guy we've talked about actually a decent bit this year because I feel like he's had like 52 start weeks, Uh, but he's also just always available because he's in Oakland A. He's been pretty good overall. You look at a 423 ERA, um, that's that's okay for 15s. You can live with that. But then a 112 whip, that's good anywhere. But he has a 2-9 and nine record and 117 Ks and 125 and two-thirds. So sub, sub 1K uh, per inning, no win potential, and only a mediocre ERA. He does get a, a trip to St. Louis, which they're a decently difficult offense, but it's a good park. And then he invites Baltimore to Oakland. So pitching in two good parks, if you're not chasing wins, let's put that off to the side. Because if you are, I don't think you can start any Oakland guy. But if you just need ratios, is there enough here from J.P. Sears that you would take this gamble? Absolutely. I think he is a must start outside of a scenario in which you are desperately chasing wins. Okay. Um, and and you're like, well, screw my ratios. I just need wins right now. Yeah, which um, is about what I'm about the mode I'm about to be in. By the way, yeah, uh, he's he's been really really good. Um, and I'm really glad that I've got him on a number of teams. Uh, and uh, in spite of the fact that Oakland sucks and he doesn't get wins, like he's still been just a really good pitcher. So, um, and who knows? Maybe they sneak a win one of these days. Um, How great would that be? I mean, at, at St. Louis is a pretty good spot for them to sneak a win. So mm-hmm. um, on a team that desperately needs to keep losing in order to make sure they're getting a lottery spot uh, for next uh, year's draft. So um, I am uh, I'm all for J.P. Sears, uh, Sears in spite of the fact that you can't buy a win for him. Yep. Yep. Again, if you're not chasing wins. Go for it. If you are chasing wins, you cannot start him. Emerson Hancock made his debut, and I thought it was pretty impressive. I mean, they're they're starting to become a bit of a pitching factory over there in, in Seattle, too. Remember, he was a number six overall pick. He had a lot of hype. He's been bypassed by a lot of guys, but it's more because they've done well. Your Bryce Millers, your Brian Wu, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, like they've all kind of bypassed him. But I don't think it's because he's some loser prospect. He's just kind of been pushed down a little bit and his outlook has dimmed maybe some but i thought he looked pretty solid in his debut here and now emerson hancock gets a trip to kc and a trip to houston so it's kind of that classic one up one down is there enough here to go for emerson hancock and if so what formats um i think if you need a guy who uh isn't going to like rack up a crap ton of strikeouts uh but could develop like or could you know 
post some pretty decent ratios and, you know, good win potential. I think Seattle has quietly been really, really good since the break. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and they now have, you know, they're, they're the last team out of the playoffs right now at the season of the day. So, like, they have an opportunity right there. to jump into that mix. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a good park to pitch in. Um, let's see. His two starts are at Kansas City, which is a fantastic start. And at Houston's a little bit scarier, but I think I would probably roll with it if I was win seeking and looking for a little ratio help. Yeah, I, I think that all checks out for me with Emerson Hancock. I made the uh, reference that if you put all their those four young pitchers on a spectrum, and you got Kirby and Gilbert over here on the command and finesse side, and Wu and Miller on, over here on the uh, power dominant side, Emerson Hancock is like two clicks from the middle toward Gilbert yeah. and Kirby. Like he's not super dominant, but he's also not Mr. Command the way they are, but he leans toward those guys. So like you said, lower Ks. He threw four pitches at least 17% of the time. So like Nick and I were watching it on playback together with the group. It was a lot Um, of fun. It's uh it is a really good pitch mix um and arsenal, uh, and very much in the same vein as like a, a Kirby and a Logan Gilbert. So I think uh you know, Seattle's done a really good job with these pitching prospects. Like they I, really you know, have, man. That um, is, and this is all without Robbie Ray. Yeah. Like, they lost an ace or at least an ace-adjacent player. You, you know, if you're not fully in on him as an ace, I get it. I've been anti-Robbie Ray uh, relative to people, too. But, like, they lost a big-time front-line starter, and they still run uh, six deep right they now. They also lost Marco Gonz- Oh, And, yeah, no, well, no, that that is a, not for fantasy, but that is a real yeah, life loss because it's a it's an innings eater. It's a guy who exactly. a lot of innings and yeah. I know you're you know. trying to be funny, but like for yeah. a real life team, like that is a loss. A guy who can just munch innings like Pac Man over there. So yeah, mm-hmm. we like Emerson Hancock. He'll be an interesting pickup this week. Uh, with everyone's budgets coming down, though, he won't be super expensive. So don't be trying to put some triple digit bid out there unless you've yeah. just got tons of money and you can afford to blow it. Um, yeah. Dakota Hudson. He gets Oakland and the Mets both at home. That's the main reason that I put him on here. He, he's super volatile. When he's off, I swear he just gets absolutely destroyed. But when he's on, he can look kind of decent. It's usually via uh, contact being turned into outs. He was okay at Tampa Bay, five innings, three earned. Um, seven innings, three earned the start before that against Minnesota with seven Ks too. Is Dakota Hudson doing anything for you, and does the Oakland start entice you enough? I mean, the Oakland's, I mean, the Mets, like I mentioned, the Mets in the trade deadline, they, you know, like they not only traded players away, but then they also put Marte back on the IL. They yeah. sent Brent ba- uh, Batty, uh, Beatty down. Um, like this is a shell of, uh, of a team. That being said, there is risk here. There is a ton of risk. Big time. What do you think his zone contact percentage is this year? Dude, it's got to be huge. I mean, 92 percent 93 percent oh you're not right enough. there um like that is ridiculously high again yes. for context league average is usually around 85 percent that's like, crazy and we're talking 93 percent would be like you know almost Luis rise level <laughs> yeah like, he turns yeah. the league into yeah. Luis rise that's a good way to put it yeah so like this is like this is a really really good two step. You probably should roll with it, and especially in fifteen team leagues and some twelves. But this is also this could go awry very very quickly when you're turning entire 
teams into Luisa Rai's contact ability because you give up a ton of contact, things can go bad in a hurry. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great way to frame it. So I, I do think it's something that needs to be taken on by, you know, virtually somebody in a lot of league formats with Oakland and the Mets coming in, both at home, but it can really sink you too. And that's just yeah. the nature of streaming. So again, I know sometimes when we frame it like that, it's like, oh, you guys are fence sitting to say start him, but he's risky. No, sometimes we're just highlighting how risky it is. This one's very risky. There is upside, though, because Oakland and the Mets suck, and you could get two gems out of Dakota Hudson. Just know that uh, he could also send you plummeting back down the standings, just like Brady Singer could. So yeah. a lot of interesting risks here. Um, who's your favorite to, to get and say, 10-teamers, where a lot of these guys will be available? Um, I think it's Braxton Garrett. Um, and I want to point something out. He's actually been much better on the road this year. Interesting. So maybe Which, that Dodgers start yeah. in LA isn't as scary. Yeah. So he's got like a 286 ERA on the road. So both times he got blown up that have really hurt him have been at home, um, which tells you like, hey, like those weren't going to happen very often. Like, yeah. So, and like, he's not just leveraging the home park yeah. mm -hmm. to be a It's, front, it's so, not yeah. about, he's got like a 540 something ERA at home. Yeah. Because, because the Atlanta two, because and Colorado both, starts. Yeah. Both starts were at home. So dang. Um, uh, yeah, I think Braxton Garrett's my favorite, followed by, uh, I'm going to say oh, followed by, Ashcraft by J for me. JP Sears and Sears, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and again, Sears, if you need wins, do not go for him. And Justin yeah. agrees with that if caveat. You, only if you're desperate for wins, because, I yeah. mean, Oakland just sucks. Oakland is, I don't know if they actually are technically, but I believe Oakland is the worst team ever constructed. Like I, <laughs> It's really bad. It is it's really, really bad. bad. Really and again, bad. it, you know, we got into this last year with a discussion where I was like, I don't think they're going to fully bottom out. They don't usually do that. And they've had two fully bottom out years. I was dead wrong on that. Um, the last time they lost 100 was back in 1979. And so Justin and I got in a big debate last year about how bad they were. I was like, hey, they're bad, but they're not going to be, you know, holy crap bad. No, they're holy crap bad since the beginning of last yeah. year. So uh, I was definitely wrong on that one. But Justin, great talking with you. You are sounding better, but I know you need to get some more rest to get fully healed, and hopefully everything's good. Uh, by Sunday, are you, are you and J Justin going to – Jason going to be going on Sunday, or is it going to be dependent we, on yeah, where your health is? We should be going Sunday. Okay. So, I mean, I, I'm feeling well enough where I could record with you. I should, I should be able to record with him, and he, he's going to be available. So Perfect. Um, we're, I'm going to record Sunday, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get back to writing today so that way – you guys are enjoying my written content as well as my uh, sickly talking content. Sounds great. Well, I hope you continue to feel better, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.